Hi, I'm Abby Mercado, an IVF mom, former VC investor, and CEO of Rescripted. Welcome to the Future of Fertility, a podcast dedicated to shining a light on the entrepreneurs and innovators who are changing the face of family building. With billions in funding over the past few years, we'll introduce you to the people, the ideas, and the businesses that are changing the fertility industry and in turn, millions of people's lives. The future of fertility is bright. Now let's get into it. Jenny Holstrom is the founder and CEO of Coupleness. Coupleness is a mobile app aimed to act as a common micro diary for couples who want to communicate more with each other. Coupleness makes it easy for couples to take care of their relationships, creating a way for couples to be proactive and build positive habits in everyday life. Jenny's mission with coupleness is simple, to reinvent love. At Rescripted, we focus on fertility and women's health. As such, we know full well that spending months and often years trying to conceive with your partner can leave a once healthy and loving relationship with much to be desired. Today, I'm so excited to dig in with Jenny as to why relationships are more important to our well-being than our social class, our careers, or our genetics. Thanks so much for joining wow. me today, Jenny. Welcome. Thank you. What an intro. That's really <laughs> wow. I literally took it straight from your LinkedIn profile. So you're the impressive one here, my friend. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. When we chatted what, about six months ago about a, a partnership with Rescripted. And I was just so fascinated by your story and by your mission with coupleness that I absolutely wanted to have you onto the podcast. So thanks again for joining. And let's start off by, I want to know who Jenny is. Tell me about Jenny, born and raised. What did you do before this, et cetera? Yeah, I'm super happy to talk about myself, <laughs> even though that question is like one of the hardest ones to answer, I think, you know, where to start. But I grew up in, I'm from Sweden. I'm about 40 years old. I have two kids. I have a partner, Carl. We live in a house. I love gardening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's really my thing with gardening. It's like my happy place where I go to like when I calm down and oh, I'm all about gardening. How many years, um, how many months of the year can you garden in Sweden? It's a cold yeah, place, that's no? really good question. This period, like from November until March-ish, I do a lot of planning. Yeah. And then I sure. spend at least, I would say one hour per day in my garden from like March, April until September. Oh, that sounds and so therapeutic. And I think even more. Sorry. I just love it. And my husband really likes gardening too. So it's the shared interest between the two of us, which is really nice talking yeah. about relationships. Totally. Love it. Yeah. Other than that, work-wise, I've been working with like huge kind of challengers or issues to society. I've been working with climate. I've been working with kids' consumption of pornography. I've been working with refugees. And now I'm working with relationships. And I would say relationships are maybe like the most... It's the area that is least, I would say... What word for that? Like the area that is bit more love and happiness into it. If we look at climate, refugees, pornography, 
even though I think refugees is a huge opportunity, it's such a sad situation they are in. And I think the response to the refugee crisis is not worthy like the Western world, how we treat refugees. So compared to relationships, it's a little bit more fun to work with relationships. It's more fun feelings into it, even though I, I, my heart is really where the refugees are and how they have it. Yeah, it seems it's it's hopeful. There's uh, there are answers to be had when it comes to a yeah. striving to have a healthy relationship. So I totally get that. So how did you tell me a little bit of how your interest in solving these little crises came to be? What was Jenny like as a little girl? What was your first job? Yeah, yeah. Like, how did you get so interested in this? Where did this come about? I think it's a combination of growing up with a dad who he's my dad is like 80. He's turning 84 this year. And in the 50s, he traveled with the Swedish-American line with these big cruise ships throughout the world. And growing up, I heard all his stories about like other countries, other people, other cultures. And then my mom, she worked with refugees. So quite early, I had a kind of feeling that the world is bigger than my hometown. It's bigger than Sweden. And I wanted to explore. So I've been living overseas. I've been living in the U.S., in Kentucky. And I've been living in South Africa. Yeah, I know all about the Southern hospitality and the Midwest and all that kind of stuff. But it's, yeah, I've been exploring and enjoying all the kind of good parts of traveling and living abroad. And in addition to that, I think that I have a lot of like empathy and I care about other people and maybe sometimes more about others than myself. <laughs> it's something I need to work on. So I think the kind of combination of like uh, my parents and I had really good teachers in school as well. And it's a mix of different things, I think, who led me to this path. Yeah, I love it. This is maybe jumping ahead a little bit. I love talking to founders who lay out so clearly that they feel like empathy is an important part of who they are and what they strive to be as a leader. So how does, tell me about empathetic leadership and why does it matter for you as a leader in this company to be an empathetic leader and to really prioritize empathy? I think if I wouldn't do it, it would be like hiding a huge part of myself. And I think people like that leadership They like to work with me and, you know, who I am. But I think you can scare away some investors. And maybe we talk about that later on. But I think in my leadership, I think that being transparent and honest with my own feelings and emotions and how I am doing and what's stressing me and what my excitement and my passion is a key thing for me. And in addition to that, it's really to listen and understand how people around me, how they feel and how they are doing and what is bothering them right now and the opposite, yeah. like what they thought before and so forth. Yeah. So I think it's really being in tune with people. Yeah, love it. So let's hop into to coupleness, what we're here to talk about, this amazing app that you and your team have created. So what was the tipping point in creating coupleness? How to come up with the idea and how did you take the leap to starting this company, the team? Yeah, I'm happy to share that. I created a women's rights movement slash organization before Capitalness. It's called Porn Free Childhood. I did that for a few years and my youngest child was like, uh, he was three months when I started that organization and maybe two or three years when I decided to leave. 
It was quite a journey. We started out as two moms, just being annoyed by how pornography is kidnapping or hijacking our kids' brains and how exposed they are to pornography, and no one knows about it. No parents, no like politicians, not anyone. It's just like a secret world. So we started to do lobby work around this, and quite quickly we got a lot of attention in Sweden. We were in all media. We were working like day and night through two or three years. And it started to take a toll on my relationship. I just focused too much on my mission with this. And I forgot about taking care of of my relationship. So it was an experience from that. And I started to feel lonely. And it was some other things that were mixed in. So I started to read a lot about loneliness in relationships and so forth. And realized that there are not much out there to support couples, except for couples therapy. That was like my journey into coupleness. Then I met my co-founder, Ted. And he had troubles with finding everyday time for his partner and sharing how they were doing and all that kind of stuff. Then we decided to do this journey together. And then we got a lot of cool people with us. Yeah. It's amazing how there are all of these different pieces of your life as a human that we prioritize. It's Mm. our relationships, our, our career, our friendships, and I just, I don't even know what the point of saying this is, but it's just so hard to find a balance in all of them, all of the things that make us whole people. And it's unfortunate as humans that one has to take off before realizing that we actually do lack balance. And it sounds like that really happened to you with your... Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I still work with that. It's ironic doing what I'm doing, but I still need to actively think about my relationship and how to care for it. With my friends, for some reason, it comes more naturally. But with my relationship, I need to put more effort into it. Yeah, I think, and obviously this is a fertility podcast. We don't talk a ton about parenthood, but I am a parent. You are a parent. You have two kids. I have two kids. And it's such a different way of... Like right now, I often find myself getting into the trap of considering my partner a co-parent versus a husband or a partner. It's it's a totally different way of thinking. That doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't surprise me that we struggle in this. Co-parenting is different from having a partner. Um, Okay, that that makes sense. It's a great conversation. So (laughs) how'd you meet Ted? Your co-founder. Oh, yeah. I joined this startup accelerator called Antler. I think you can find them in the US and Singapore and all around the world. They did not invest in us. They did not believe in us enough. But we found other great investors after that. So I'm quite happy with the turnout anyway. I was just thinking the other day, or not the other day, but like after they turned us down, I was just like, oh, that's their loss. And I work like that. That gives me fuel. I want to prove them. Yeah. And that's that's such an important skill to have. I, I think I started my founder journey about three years ago, and it has taken me years to say their loss. So being able to have exactly. the personality to just really have that all along. It's so enviable. I envy you and many founders listen to this podcast and I'm sure that they envy that that type of attitude as well. So Ted is, he is on the product side. Is that right? Yeah, he used to work with marketing, but he actually left after summer for new adventures, which oh. I think is really good for him. I'm the one who was there from the beginning. Amazing. So tell us all about coupleness. What is coupleness? Just give us soup to nuts. What is this thing and why should we download it? Yeah, right now we're just an app, but in a month we are an app and then we're a relationship calendar as well. But right now you can go to App Store, Google Play, download Coupleness, and then you will have a tool for your relationship to use every day. 
And basically what we support you with is a daily checking with your partner. You're checking with yourselves, your emotions and how you're doing and what is affecting you. And then your partner does the same thing and you share your answers. And by doing that, you come closer to each other. And then we have another feature in the app, which is called question of the day. And that one is there because curiosity is a really important part of all relationships. Mm. And it's really easy after a few years in, and maybe you can relate to this going through your fertility journey as well, that it's hard to find the moments and, you know, the right questions like year five, even though you're not trying to conceive, it can be really hard to find the time or like the spark in the relationship. Yeah. And I think there's also this element of you're constantly learning about each other. And we we think that, I think as a society, we're like, okay, we're not dating anymore. We're married. We have kids. We've got a mortgage. We've got an SUV, like all the things. And I know all I can know about you, but that's just so not true. There's yeah. always something. And I love that you're saying that because that's basically what it's all about. Yeah. I, I answered my question this morning. Wait, does, <laughs> is everybody's question the same or? For that specific day it is. But then you can use the question of the day, like you can sit down if you're having a dinner or something and you can pull out all the question of the day and just go 10 or 20 of them if you want to have a date. Yeah, I love it. So it seems in reading through coupleness marketing language and whatnot, it seems like you all prioritize being easy and being fun. Yeah. So like, why is there other relationship apps that exist? Like why, what kind of, these are the two things that differentiate couple. Can you expand on that a little, maybe? Yeah, I think there are few ones doing the same thing as we do. Like they want to be easy and fun. To us, it's like, it's a balance between being too much of couples therapy, which we are not, and too much fun. We still want to come across as like a serious tool for couples, but we want couples to do their couples kind of thing together in a fun way so for especially for men who is not if I talk like generally as maybe as a quick reduce to talk about their feelings we don't want to scare them away we rather want to do the opposite so then we use like gifts and stuff like that to take the drama a bit away it's not drama to talk about your feelings it's something you should do but for some people maybe it's a little bit too much or they're not comfortable doing it yeah, oh, that's an interesting point. At Rescripted, we are like 97% of our consumer is a female. When thinking Same about... Oh, totally. You're also thinking about the partner and how yeah, that, that partner is communicated. And yeah. I know that your expertise is in communication. And I know that you have folks on the marketing and branding side. So how do you strike the balance between talking effectively to both females and males? Yeah, I think it all comes down to that. As you said, more than 90% downloading coupleness is a woman. But if she's living in a relationship with a man, if the man is not like joining coupleness at any point, they will not use the tool in their everyday life. So we need to find a way of being clear and transparent that attracts men or at least get them on board to try the app. So we tried in the beginning, we had a lot of emojis, which is a universal language. We tried not to have as much as hearts and doing it too girlish. And we're, I think we're on a journey with our branding and uh, our tone of voice. And I can share when we started, we were a little bit afraid of talking about problems within relationships because we wanted to market this as proactive app, something fun and joyful, as you say. 
Mm-hmm. But a few, we realized that, or we didn't know from we did know from the beginning as well, but that was not our marketing angle. Was that everyone struggles in the relationship from time to time? Mm-hmm. So now we're much more transparent with that, and we can talk about that. But we try to twist it and do it in a fun way, and yeah. let people come to like that. Yeah, when they can feel like it's themselves. Yeah. So how are you thinking about? gathering data on the consumers that you serve and serving them up with kind of a personalized approach to their relationship? Yeah, quite early we were thinking about integrating AI and there's tons of things you can do with this. And I think we're not ready on and if we want to join like that kind of product or not right now we're working with data but we're not using any kind of smart data like ai however i think the users of our app could benefit from more personalized stats for instance but up until now we haven't really had the capacity to develop that unfortunately totally. yeah no i got it it's like you there's so many things on a product roadmap and not enough money yet not enough people yet yeah so let's dig into that how have you funded this thing since inception and how do you look to fund it in the future? Yeah, first we kind of self-funded it. We're not taking any salary, paying the first things ourselves. But then when we wanted to develop the app, it's quite expensive to build an app. But we found our first CTO. And then after a few months, I think I had maybe 120 meetings with angels. That's a lot of yeah. meetings. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of meetings. Yeah. <laughs> Together with some I had myself and so forth. And then we had one person who co-founded like one of the big kind of healthcare companies in Europe. And he said, I really want to support you. This is really cool. And so when he, we had a commitment from him, it was a lot easier to get commitments from other people as well. So it was that first yes. And when the yes first from a really good person who made the journey himself and so forth. His name is Joachim and he's co-founder of Kill and I like him a lot. He's really cool. He was much easier, but it was like a lot of banging the head to the wall and just getting up on the horse again. Yeah. What what was like this is a this question like is would be undressing for most founders, but I feel like you'll give it a, a really authentic answer. But like, why, what was the common reason for the no in talking to those yes. 120 yeah. angels? <laughs> exactly. I think it was because first, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. I haven't done this. I created my children's rights movement organization, and that's quite impressive what we did, I think. Yes, of course. But it was not like a scaling a tech company. I worked for the, I done a lot of things, but didn't seem like that was like valid or it didn't count for anything. I think that was one. And I'm quite soft. I'm into numbers and stuff, but I'm quite a soft, emotional person. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like the typical, I would say you can find a female founder straight after business school. or I've gone to business school myself, but I'm not the typical person. Right. Like that. Yeah. You didn't work for HBS and McKinsey and Uber. No, and that's then... nothing wrong with the UN and doing my own stuff. And all. so I didn't fit their profile. I think that was part of it. I think the other part was that we didn't have a really like big name CTO. And since we were building like a tech company, we were missing that. But that was just like a small part of it. And I think the other part was like, it was really hard for a lot of investors to see how we could scale and grow this. Would people really use this in their relationship? Is this just another app? I think that was a really big question mark. Will you be able to monetize from this? Who will pay from this? Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it's like a no-brainer, but yeah. 
Yeah. In that vein, how do you think about pricing? I compared your pricing to some other relationship apps and let's just say I easily paid for it. It was, it seemed much more affordable and especially just trying out the three ninety nine a month. I'm totally going to do that. And I think it's like $19.99 for a year. That seems pretty, pretty okay with me versus other apps are paying $99 a year. That feels difficult, especially because they can't really try it. I want to see this working in the long term before I commit that kind of money talking from a typical consumer perspective. So like, how did you come up with the pricing and what kind of testing and research was done there? We're, first of all, we're looking into what is the cost for couples therapy? Like mm. how much do you pay to go to couples therapy? How many times do you go? And then we then we looked at what are the options? And there are no other options. So we just said, what is reasonable? How much do you pay for Netflix? We looked at all other subscriptions that is not coupleness. And then we quite quickly found that a lot of people are benchmarking the prices with Netflix or similar like Spotify subscriptions. Because there is nothing to benchmark coupleness with. If you're like a headspace or calm user, maybe yeah. kind of benchmark it within the mental wellness space or if you're doing anything else like that. But so I think that was like a quite a few of the areas we dig deeper into. Obviously, we looked at our competitors. Some of them are, as you say, much more pricey. We want to get a lot of people on board. We want to people to get to know the app and if they leave they can come back and it's not like that big of deal. Yeah. How have you thought about, if at all, basically taking this to another space where you're actually offering services as well? So couples therapy. I had a friend come to me the other day saying, okay, I want to do this with my partner, but how on earth do I find the right person? Has that come to mind and thinking through this business, like some sort of marketplace for couples therapists? Yeah, I mean, it has. And to be honest, I think with relationships, the sky is the limit. Mm -hmm. There is so much we could do with relationships, especially since the couples therapy business is not super digitalized. There's a lot of things you can do within that business as well. And you can use coupleness between the sessions with a couples therapist. So there's so much what you can do. But what we, we asked ourselves, like, what are we good at within the team, like the core team? And since we're good at like marketing, branding, building this movement, educate the markets, we decided to stay a little bit in that space for now. We think that will be needed anyway. And in addition, we're looking more into building a toolbox of tools for them so they can have the app. And now we're building our new tool, which is the relationship calendar. With that being said, it's not a super close door to couples therapists, but as of now, we're not focusing on that. Yeah. Okay, that's good guidance. I'm excited about the future of coupleness. So I want to zoom out a little bit and I want to talk a little bit more about the research that you put on your LinkedIn profile. That's the, you stated that there's Harvard research that states that yeah. relationships are more important to our well-being than social class, career, or genetics. So just wanted to zoom out and talk through that and what that means and like more more the why about this business and why yeah. it's so important to us as humans. Great. I love that question. I think if you would have asked me like, what's my fuel or what's my passion with coupleness? That would be my answer. And the reason for that being my answer is that it's something with the lack of knowledge that we don't know this. We think that what we eat, how we sleep, how we work out, all that is what is affecting our overall health. But that's not the case. It affects our overall health. 
But if you don't take care of your relationships, you miss out on a great chunk of your health. So what I'm irritated or like frustrated about is that people don't know this. So what I want to do is spread this message throughout the world. We have the research. We know how you can take care of your relationship if you do it. But it's not like it's not out there. The word is not out in the world. That's really my passion with coupleness, to, to spread the word and give couples tools. Yeah. Awesome. I I couldn't help but in doing more research about coupleness, I couldn't help, but I don't know if you saw this, but it was a chart that, that was viral on socials a couple of weeks ago. And it's essentially, I would show it to you, but that defeats the purpose of a podcast because I need to explain this to the listener, <laughs> but it's essentially... The title of the chart is Who Americans Spend Their Time With. And it starts at age zero and it goes up to, I think, age 90. And so it's what essentially is you're not spending as much time alone when you're when you're little. By the time you're 90, most of your time is spent alone. Yeah. And then you're not spending as time with a potential partner sub age 20. Your partner as you age is the person that you spend the most time with by a dramatically large multiple. How you invest in your partner is just, this chart really says it all to me. Just, Brilliant. I'm going to show it to you because it's, yeah. I want to hear you expand on it. But it was just so profound to me. Like, why does this matter? Obviously, this is so important and it feels really sad. Like you spend a lot less time with your family. You spend a lot less time with your children. You spend a lot less time with your friends, with your coworkers, mm. with these really important people in your life. You're, the time that you spend with your partner is just absolutely skyrocketing as you age. So investing early on is, and we can add this to the show notes, but yeah. investing early on is just so critical. It is. And I think you're really putting this finger something that's really important is if you spend time, when that is with your partner, with your friends, what this research by Waldinger, as you talked about earlier, is saying is that if you have close people around you that you feel that you can trust and share ups and downs in life, that's the good, juicy part for your health. Like having people that you can talk to when you're struggling in life as well. So looking at this chart, I'm thinking, since it's not included, what is that quality time? What is the t- What are you doing when you're right. I know. sitting on the toilet, scrolling, like going through your social TikTok? Yeah, yeah, something doing? about that Netflix subscription. <laughs> exactly. Or are you actually, as you said earlier, learning more about each other? Are you doing things together? Are you putting your phone away? So... I think it very much depends on what you're doing together. You can be really lonely in a relationship, sitting next to each other on the couch every evening, just watching Netflix, not talking to each other. You're spending a lot of time together, but you're not nurturing your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's critical. Jenny, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm so happy that we chatted about coupleness, just especially under the bucket of within the bucket of fertility and just there's just a lot of loneliness and a lot of isolation that can come alongside an experience of a couple trying to conceive and not really going back to their roots and remembering why they actually are together. I think when we hear from our community, we talk about that a ton, like relationship health, it's really important. So the last question that I usually ask on this podcast is what would you re-script about this experience for the consumer that that you're targeting? And the question is typically, what would you re-script about the fertility industry? But I think given what coupleness does. What do you want to rewrite the rules, the rules about? Yeah, I know what I want to do, whether you're on a fertility journey or not. But if you're in a relationship, I would love to have everyone before they fall asleep to think about what did I do for my relationship today? 
I think if we could think that and if we actually could do something for our relationship, it could just be like those tiny small things that, you know, making breakfast for your partner or just giving them a big hug when they come home from work. It doesn't need to be this big things. So if we could get that into kind of our routines and habits, I think it would be really good for humanity. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you and where can people find coupleness? Givecoupleness.com or you can go onto the App Store or Google Play. Awesome. Awesome. And Jenny is also an, an incredible content creator on LinkedIn. So make sure yeah. you follow her. <laughs> I welcome everyone to join my LinkedIn network. I love LinkedIn. Even I just started with TikTok. Are you on TikTok? Not personally, but Rescripted no. is, is growing. Oh, no, not personally. I'm so bad. started. I'm yearning. <laughs> oh, interesting. So uh, I have to ask you this since you're big on LinkedIn. Is LinkedIn going to replace Twitter? Because I'm here for it. I like, think are you, so. Are you Maybe. active on Twitter as well? No, I'm not. I started Twitter. It was not my cup of tea. And I think with everything's going on with Twitter now, I think it has been growing even before. Who knows? I think there is a place for both, but LinkedIn is definitely a place I, I like. You feel comfortable there. I do too. So you'll have to mentor me on how to become a LinkedIn content creator. <laughs> no, I would love to. Then I can learn TikTok from you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. Follow Rescriptum on TikTok. Awesome. Thanks again, Jenny. This has been an absolute joy and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you so much, Abby. Thank you for tuning in to The Future of Fertility. We hope you'll be here feeling empowered about all of the exciting innovations taking place in the fertility space. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to click subscribe and be sure to check out Dear Infertility, our popular podcast slash advice column, where we chat with experts about all things fertility and fertility and pregnancy loss. To learn more and to join our free fertility support community, head to prescripted.com.